Shut up, I love it. present you a podcast of false chronicles of a handful of shut up i love it i am joe cabello the one and only here with the second and secondly <laughs> why am i second well just because not not for any everybody knows you're the leader of the podcast yes. you're the captain yes. but just for the uh the sake of me speaking first you're yeah, second just or to secondly. keep it s- yeah, to keep it smooth, I am the second, but not second in command, Sasha Feiler. Of what am I second, but not second in command? Of Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a special guest to talk about something underrated, underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, unloved, something, something, something that needs a little love, a little light in joining us today. He's a screenwriter who occasionally moonlights as a substitute teacher, delivery driver, production assistant, and copywriter. He lives in Santa Monica with his right hand. Welcome, Alex Hayes. I love it. How you doing? What is up? Now, this right hand, uh, tell me all about that. I, well, I, it's kind of the, the mistress no one really wants to acknowledge right <laughs> yeah i mean i've been, yet, I've been known to the use the important, left unless you're left-handed in which yeah case, yeah um you know or both or you're ambidextrous yeah sure yeah yeah you could use you can both. do it all then <laughs> it's not just your spouse you're living with is it yeah i've noticed like my left hand likes it in the morning my right hand likes it in the night so we we end up getting along this we lost about 80 percent of the audience if you're still here with us it's uh, a good segue into the movie which is about self you know well some of the critics self-flagellation self-indulgence um uh where we were just kind of talking about self-enjoyment, weren't we? Yeah, I Great. think it actually is perfectly set up. People think <laughs> yeah. this is just chaotic intro yeah, talk, but no, this is very, Scripted. very apt. Do we have in a retube? Do we do we need to come to a consensus on the correct pronunciation of the name? I, I was going to say in a radio. In a- the most uh, Hispanic person here in this group is Joe. He's half Mexican, so we'll let him speak. Go ahead. Yeah. Inyarito. That's wrong. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Even as I said it immediately, I was like, no, that's well, not wrong. I mean, we have the same first name, right? At least mine in Spanish. It, yeah. True. So, when I took Spanish, I was referred to as Eliam. So what would it, what would Inyarito be in then the English? Exactly. Right? I don't, then what was my Spanish teacher doing by calling me Eliam <laughs> instead of Alexander? But I don't know. Well, we've well, teased uh, it enough. We've teased we? it. I we've teased it hard. They're teased. Yeah. Both hands are happy the way we teased it. Yes. <laughs> so well, what are I you thought here? it would be a witty, you know, addition to a uh, limited biography, really. Well, yeah. I think everything so far has been witty, but let's not tease them any further. Mm-hmm. What is the the thing you've come to talk about here on this podcast? Here to talk about Bardo. Um and that's, I'm not going to, you know, false critical of a handful of shit. That part we can really leave out. I, think. I get it wrong every time. I've been trying to, when I don't read it, I've been saying Bardo, it's the 
the lives well, of the Birdman, it's like dude i don't really need you know the apple like the, you know what i mean like the afterward whatever yeah the colon everything yeah, after the colon at, like, and when you look at the marquee at a theater they're not gonna have all this shit written. oh by the way is it okay if i cuss you know, yes like, we're welcome that yes okay. also stay closer to your computer so we can hear your voice even better oh okay. yes there you go, beautiful. But yes, we don't know the full uh, title of this movie, but Bardo is how we're going to refer to it in this podcast so that we're all on the same page. But Alexander and Narito, one of the, I'd say, three major Mexican film directors, as my husband, who's not here, referred to it, <laughs> the lesser one. <laughs> oh, wow. The lesser he, loves, he loves all three of them, but he's like, in my opinion, the lesser one. And again, like you said, Alex, you're not here to defend the actual Inarito himself. Who, who's the number one? Uh, Brett Ratner? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, I mean, it's probably <laughs> right. I mean, it's uh, obviously between uh, Del Toro. And uh, God bless him, uh, Quaron, right? Yeah. What, is it? Say. what about yeah. the dude who did two popes? Is he not? Hmm. Two popes. Just. Let's see. We'll Let's look that up. Let's out. see who who did it, because I can tell you, Fernando. Well, he did City of God. No, maybe uh, he's from Brazil. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't not count. Mexican. Very important. Yeah. Which is also a great segue into the themes of this film because it's about Mexican identity, right? I mean, like, I'm just, that's what I got from it, having yeah. seen it. Um, Alex, why do you think it's a movie that needs defending slash, you know, a little bit of love? Um, you know, I mean, it's as with every movie, but this one, you know, more than others, uh, it's going to... D- register or it's not not when i say register i mean hopefully get you thinking about certain things um in your life Mm -hmm. um and kind of looking back but also trying to look forward and i think um looking back is hard to do really at any age uh but especially as you get older which is going to rub audiences some, you know, a wrong way. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a mix. And I told my producer friend this, um, of filmmakers like uh, Malik and Terry Gilliam and. um, Maybe Werner Herzog as well. Well, he's all over. The place. He's the best, isn't it? You could just stay. I love him, and that's I'm like I have to listen to your podcast on everything. He's mm-hmm. um, but oh, and Python, Monty Python. Mm-hmm. But I also think you know it's it's not for everyone. But like, and I again told my friend, I was like, you know, kind of as with all movies, it depends on the mood mood you're in and what you're kind of looking. Mm-hmm. So you know. If you're not kind of into being a film geek, it's going to be hard to even really get through the first 10 minutes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the first 10 of uh, two hours and 40 minutes. It's a yeah. long one, too, which can uh, can take people out. 
and uh it's yeah there. and but people well the movie has been receiving mixed reviews right like that's i think one of reason is why we're here talking about it because it's been receiving mixed reviews it's what 59 percent on rotten tomatoes not like we go by it but i tend to bring up rotten tomatoes because i have thoughts on it uh and uh and you know a lot of people thought a lot of critics thought it was pretentious right it was uh self-centered and all that other things that we already brought up about you know how must masturbatory some people see it you know this movie as such which i mean again getting back to how you can bring up like you know started doing podcasts um on on that issue but when you say you know pretentious master uh masturbatory self-indulgent i mean that's really kind of hard to decipher in 2023 right in in a world of social media um where everything is self-indulgent where it's all about being relevant whether or not it's you know trying to break into film and and promoting your teaser or just getting a bunch of likes on facebook as he points out in the movie or you know so i mean that argument is is being made in a, in the context of where we are now and so that i don't know if that holds as much water as it might have 20 years ago consider i mean look at trump i mean he won on that like it, it, look at everything in 2023 and i think the fact that he had the balls to get out there not and, trump no yeah <laughs> well i mean let's give credit where credit's due <laughs> right. uh Alejandro, um, yeah. you know, I think that he had to, the balls to get out there and like kind of show that he's scared and and doesn't, you know, and feels displaced and, uh, you know, all these different things that he, he's going and whether or not he's he's relevant to whatever is deemed as relevant, but also like with his family and his country, I thought that was ballsy of him. And, and you know, it doesn't, it's not a conventional movie. And like I said, it's not for everyone. Um, but I thought it was good. But to call it pretentious and self-indulgent in 2023, I think that's, that's kind of hard to calibrate and quantify considering, you know, a 13-year-old kid is probably a hundred times more self, you know, important than we were at that age. Yeah, I think you're making an excellent point because, I mean, this movie is a thinly veiled uh, story of his life or not, not, uh, that's wrong, not story of his life, but story of his emotional state, or I guess you could put it, his reflections on his life, um, very thinly veiled in that way. But yeah, you're, you're correct that can you really, um, criticize that if you're, you know, making stories every day of I'm making breakfast, this is me making breakfast yeah. and social media posts, you can't really, to see to have a director say hey i want to make a movie that is kind of incredibly personal that actually is the the reasoning for art uh, and i think we've seen so many films recently fablemans where okay sure. this is spielberg uh coming to terms with himself even uh damien chazelle's babylon which i haven't seen but i've heard is very kind Empire of a personal Light. look yeah it's like there's these directors who are kind of making some very Armageddon time. Yeah, thinly yeah. veiled personal films. 
Um, and I have no real problem with it as for that reason, you know. How about you, Sasha? What, what, how do you feel about it being so, I don't know, like the and overall the Fablemans and how that does where it's like, well, you're just telling yeah. your story, Spielberg and Bardo. Okay, you're just telling your story, Alejandro. I, I, it's hard for me to talk about it without like revealing some cards on how I feel about this movie altogether. But um, such as the episode of this podcast. So I went into watching this film and I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't even heard of it because I have a seven month old and it's hard to like catch up on any movies from 2022 or 2023. That's going to be your um, life for the next 18 years. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I, but it's always a great excuse to watch something for this podcast. And so when, uh, you know, to, I, look, let's put it this way. I did not like Birdman at all. Like Birdman, I saw in the theaters. It's uh, in the Ritos. You know, I think Oscar nominated, if not Oscar winning film. Um, I did not like it at all. Going into this film, I was like, oh my God, it's just another like non-narrative movie with pretty shots and it's long and I, I have thing against long movies. And uh, it, it's about like the directors being docu doing docu-fiction. I was very annoyed going into it. But... I fucking love this film. Like, I was blown away by how much I loved it. The 20 minutes, 40, whatever, five, tw 20, two hours, 20, 49 minutes, whatever, flew by. I uh, I am obsessed with this film. I think it's a work of genius. And I, I am very happy with how personal this movie is. Uh, and I, I'm going to shut up. I love it myself. If you're not going to do it, Alex... Let's just say let's put it this way. I was, I was like, Jesus, if if she didn't get that first scene, like the Monty Python-esque scene where they, they're like, look, this baby thinks this world's too fucked up. Let's put it like, And I was still annoyed by it. Like, if that doesn't like from I was like, well, she just had a kid. So maybe yeah, yeah. Hit, you know, but like <laughs> I love I, I love I was, it. I was I thought it was hilarious because it was yeah. I mean it's it's dead on to me, like in a lot, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. See, I I disagreed with a lot of things that was going on in the movies, like a lot with even his point of view on the fact that, like, oh, this you know world obviously is too bad for a kid to live here, or just a lot of the themes. It was like, well, you're talking about rich white person's uh, problems, like that's what your movie, like your movie is about rich white person problems. Uh, it could be taken that way, and I saw through it, but I felt like. It was self-aware about that and it lean into that. And well, what the fuck? That's who he is. And that's like what he's exploring. And I felt like there was a lot of humanity and universal shit that was just like hit up and uh, spoke to me. And there was enough narrative going on that um, held me excited and interested in what happens next. So I love fucking shut up. I love Bardo, y'all, wow. as well as and yeah, yeah. that, that oh. first scene is very striking. I mean, I don't have kids myself, but as someone who uh, in the past year has tried to recrawl into my mother's womb, that scene was, <laughs> uh, you know, impactful for me. But no, uh, it is, it is, uh, there's so much surrealism and even impressionism in the movie that I think gives it a ton of value that just from the get go, it's really striking. But again, I mean, I I do think in some ways, like that may not have been the, the first image is him like flying, 
whatever over the desert or ostensibly him. But then, you know, with the putting the baby uh, back in, um, you know, like that can be viewed like as a disturbing scene and, and one that's like a turnoff to whoever, or, or I don't think that's funny or, or what they're saying or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, come on. You know, this is going to be the tone and, and of the movie for the next three hours. So like, if you're, if you're not on board after that, you know, then you might as well just cut yourself for lack of a, you know, like cut the umbilical cord. right there. <laughs> And that's it's hard it. to, maybe that's to what like, maybe that's what, and that's hard to like appreciate it. I think if you never seen any Bergman, any Benuel, like if you haven't seen, like there's just like direct references pretty much to all these movies that uh, burnt into my, you know, cinematic experience and my landscape and, and of my brain. So I think it is hard to be like, okay, what am I going to be watching? This is not, uh, you know, realistic narrative enough. So I'm going to turn it off. Well, God bless. I'm so, I'm, I am surprised and so glad that you liked it because me too. It's long as hell. And, and like, I don't know why they're insistent on that entirely, but you know, if Netflix is going to give you that autonomy, you know, then take it. But that doesn't mean that it should be like, cause he had to cut like 30 minutes from his Venice presentation or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, and he knocked it down to 250 from there or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, you, you wonder like, <laughs> I wonder what you would cut from the movie now. You know, I can't other than the umbilical cord. I can't think of it, but I'll, I'll show my cards. It took me five days to watch this movie in full. It took me a scared? long time um, because I think you touched on it when you said you have to be in the right zone to watch this movie. And unfortunately, by nature of this podcast, sometimes we just need to watch something regardless of what we're in the mood for. So, uh, one, the time limit, just with the time I was able to squeeze in the movie, I had to break it up in chunks. But it being so uh, dense with imagery and no um, a very thin narrative that you're following, um, watching it in chunks didn't feel completely like wrong in that way. But it was mm. also very hard to watch it in any like hour and a half or more spurts for me. But that being said, I really appreciated it and enjoyed so many parts of the movie while others, I think as a whole, I'm like, I don't know. I can see why. It's more of a mood thing, not an execution thing for me. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, as I said before, there's like a hundred other topics we could bring up. Um, you know, one of which is, you know, our comfort zones as far as the movies we choose, but then also how we watch them. You know what I mean? So like I, and, and another thing to discuss is, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, is uh, watching movies under the influence and under the influence of marijuana, more specifically. Uh, and, and then all these issues in 2023 of like how we watch our movies, which ones are willing to go out and pay 20 bucks to see, 
you know, what we expect from them and what we get out of them at the end of the day. And so there's all these variables, you know, that go into our comfort zone of even watching them to begin with, but then also meeting the expectations of, of, you know, the genre, what we hope is at least a genre that falls, you know, within our, you know, uh, attraction zone, but, you know, what we get out of. Did you get to see this movie in theaters or just Netflix? I, unfortunately, I didn't. But like before I moved into my shithole in Santa Monica, shout out like a huge flat screen mm. off Facebook, whatever. And um, it was awesome. Like I would much have preferred to see it in the theater. Unfortunately, I saw Fablemans in the theater, which mm. didn't really wasn't really necessary. Um, anyways, I'm totally. I, I apologize for totally going on. No, you're you're the guest. People don't want to hear us. But uh, yeah, I wish I would have seen it in theaters. This feels like a movie that I would have gotten more out of seeing it in theaters. And whenever there is a, a movie like that, if I can sniff that out, I try to go because some just don't work well at home, especially when they're more challenging, contemplative. And well, I mean, but there's a converse to that, right? Obviously, like, you know, you're 20 minutes into a movie in the theater and you know it's going to be almost three hours. And 20 minutes in, you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> or like, and you pay for the ticket and you're stuck in there and a scene rubs you the wrong way. Or God forbid, I don't know, you have to piss or like, whatever um so again i mean it does i i mean it goes back to where we're at during the day what we're our comfort level it like are you ready to lock yourself into this movie and kind of like give yourself away to it um but let's also be honest like it's also the emotional you know period that we're in when we see the movie and, and like, there's so many variables when it comes to, especially movies like this, when you go to Top Gun 2, which I have yet to see because I no longer need to, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get and you get it, you know, it's like going to a Coke dealer and getting like 98% pure and be like, thank God, <laughs> because everything else is, you know, stepped on crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I don't, I would rather see a movie that, you know, kind of challenges you in a variety of ways mm -hmm. that has you talking about it, you know, days, weeks, months, years later, than something that you get one just quick fix hit on. You're like, oh, that satisfied my, you know, action needs. You're not... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because it's like when we talk about improv, you know, they always say, ideally, when you're having a good improv show, the audience is not just re responding with laughter, but they sometimes have other emotions happening. Like, like you can hear them being grossed out and like there's all those emotions are welcome. And it's like a sign of a better show that you're having. Um, and I think this to me the experience of like i think it's inarito's biggest success so far is that i went into 
watching this movie thinking it's gonna suck for me, and I loved it. So I think he he should be very happy <laughs> with your with reaction. my my yeah. reaction. You should call him. I'm. I wanted. I did to listen to your Spring Breakers thing, and I was like, "What are you talking about? That's a work of art in the most foul sense." But it's still. <laughs> but I mean, another thing. Speaking of, of, you know, like there's blatant, you know, frontal nudity, which is fine. I mean, we're in a porn age, um, but the baby coming out of the vagina, while you know what I mean, like to me, I'm like, it's it's that is no longer a big deal at all. But it also, you know, it, he's making a point, you know, regardless of it being in a foul or, or odd way um, of, you know, a recurring uh, sense of guilt that permeates the entire movie. Um, and I think I just went off on another tangent that I didn't. Uh, no, I'm I'm all about that. I I, I think, especially since Alex Garland's uh, man, we are not going to be afraid of any birth giving scenes. Uh, <laughs> this is it. Like I feel like we've reached reached the pinnacle of. I haven't seen that yet. Great that, birthing that, scene, beautiful. Great, but but by itself, it stands very strong where, on its sorry, own. I was gonna ask. I'm like, where can I see men on a streamer? Yeah, well, yeah, you might have to rent it. Uh, I do your your tangent though is uh, full of stuff to get to as far as like themes. I know Sasha said that this movie is about uh, being Mexican. I think is what you said. Well, identity uh, and I, being been an immigrant, and I feel like it, it spoke even to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of that. I think that it, there's some more stuff there too. I want to see what you really latched onto, Alex. Especially you're a creative, you're a writer. Um, so did you, was, was some of that in there as far as your connection to the movie and like his creative struggles and whatnot? Is that what you connected to? Um, I mean, the bulk of my attraction to the movie was, you know, visual Hmm. image, um, which I, I love and I didn't look at the budget, uh, which I think is worth mentioning because I think what he did in whatever money was allotted uh, was spectacular. I mean, Jesus, how much did they give uh, Scorsese for Irishman to do, you know, to basically put, you know, makeup on De Niro. I think they gave him like an extra, like $40 million Netflix did to Scorsese to, you know, to basically shoot a bunch of Jerry actions <laughs> sitting around complaining about life, which is my... I never got to that film, and I don't regret it. Yeah, I, I'm, I've Scorsese lost me. It's his biggest loss, really, in his life. Uh, <laughs> you're really... Ago. Yeah, you're so important. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm like, full of it today. It's okay for him that he's getting older, but it's like... Where was the forty million spent that you asked for from Netflix? It literally looks like like De Niro is close to drag. You know, it's like I don't see any youth like impressed. We love drag. We just don't know why it's happening. Well, I mean, whatever. I just I found that suspect. But I thought whatever, and I didn't check the budget on uh, on Bardo. But uh, to me, he spent the money wisely. 
Yeah, and I think this is a Netflix problem too. Um, even uh, what's Noah Baumbach's newest movie, White Noise, was I think a hundred million or, or more. And you know what? We've seen fifteen million dollar movies look a lot better. Um, so I think there's a bit of mismanagement with some of uh, Netflix films <laughs> money for how they do things. But I think uh, I'm trying to look up what Bardo's budget is because I am. Yeah, I'm having trouble too, finding it because mm-hmm. it does look great. Yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the visuals of these surreal moments just looks awesome. It looks beautiful Definitely. overall. I mean, and I'm like still baffled by the use of like. What's the most extras I've ever worked on set with? But like 50 to 75 extras is a lot to wrangle. Like having that many people to wrangle and getting it in the shot where it looks real, but then you can also CGI in without having to spend the money on the on the bulk. Of, like I thought he did a good job on making things look dreamlike. So in that regard, you know, that's – the visual aspect to me was the most compelling. Um, like the pyramid scene or uh, the human yeah, pyramid uh, sure. scene. That looks that, great. And like the suicide at the castle scene, which is like one of the opening scenes. Yeah, um, there's some really big scenes like that. And what I love about that human pyramid scene is how it is so dreamlike and so, you know, fantasy. But once there's that uh, shift to it being a film set, how clear the facade is. And I really like how this movie plays with the reality and non-reality. It's like in this weird middle state that I think is throughout the movie that's really fun and, and pulls it off really well with the visuals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a whole like 2023, we could talk that in, you know... It, um, filmmaking, television, comedy, um, post-COVID, and you know, technology and its innovation, innovations, and how things are just so different. Literally, like within the last five years, um, and how people have changed because of it. Um, and it's crazy, and I think that. You know, this movie is the first one that really kind of addresses that. I think Banshees kind of does, too. Um, I think what I kind of got from, I don't know if you guys saw Banshees. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Loved it. But um, it. Too. I, it's my favorite movie. I, I, I think Bardo, uh, I think it's the best movie that I've seen this year, if not the best in a long time. But I thought Banshees is my favorite. But I think that also touches on um, issues and themes of of self-worth and and guilt and doubt in our lives. But also, I think it also, you know, talks about or alludes to, you know, in 2023 with all these unique and ridiculous ways that we can communicate with each other and get each other, you know, get in touch with each other like that. We still choose not to. We talk less than we ever did. 
We use text messaging and social media. And we use all these different kind of ways to, to back away from the, you, you know, like the real one-on-one connection of just talking to someone face-to-face, like we're doing now. You know what I mean? I, I think Banshee speaks to that. And I think so does Barda. We're becoming more and more disconnected. And I think films that show that, and I think both of those films that I just mentioned, it's imperative that, that we see that. So at the same time, you know, he's looking for ultimately a quote like, you know, by painting on the biggest canvas of a 65 millimeter movie, he's decrying and discrediting in one of the scenes, but ultimately in the whole movie, people that use social media to garner likes so they can feel relevant in life. So they can get reassurance from their friends and family by showing pictures of their friends that I did it right in life. This is me, like, this is my family. This is what I'm eating for dinner. This is like, please acknowledge the fact that I am living a happy, fulfilling life. Then maybe I'll feel it that way as well. But I need you to tell me that I'm doing so. That ultimately is what social media is. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what you know, the filmmaker is saying is, oh, that's ridiculous. But then he's turning around and ironically saying, but I'm, gonna, I'm doing the same thing on the biggest canvas in the world. There is no bigger canvas than a 65 millimeter movie at the Cinerama Dome with my name on it compared to your bullshit TikTok on social media. Fuck yeah. and I think that's also what, what uh, McDonough is saying in, um, in Banshees. He's saying there is, you cannot replace, there has to be human contact. You have to acknowledge each other and love each other for who they are. And th- when you start dismissing that, thinking that you can just pass it on, that's when, you know, it's over. Basically saying in both cases, whether, whether or not we like it, it, it's all about relationships. And some relationships are going to suck and some are going to be loving and great and some are going to, you know, be loving and great and turn on you. But that's what life is based on. So we have to suck it up. I think both of those movies, you know, are saying that. And, and especially in a 2023, you know, technology savvy, um, self-indulgent age. Yet yeah, this question of was any of this worth it type of thing that I think is a harder question in 2023 to answer then in let's say 1903 existentialism is no one really i mean wants to really acknowledge that especially after covid a two-year period you know where we're like oh shit this can really happen to us we're the best country and like we thought our world was great disregard the previous world wars and all that but like you know everything was great and oh my God, we can miss two years of school and our kids are going to be home and they're going to be driven madly like depressed and, and anxious and suicidal and 
we have to stay home and, and, and come to terms of whether or not we want to be with the person we had children with. And, you know, all these questions thrown in, you know, I think the bulk of people, if they actually have the balls to go to the movie theater, want to see something self, you know, reaffirming something that's, you know, going to at least entertain them. But at the, at the same time, be like, your life is okay. And you're going to be fine and check this movie out and you'll be happy laugh or you'll be, you know, but instead what they got with, with Bardo is like, does any of this make sense? What the fuck are we doing? Like I'm Mm. a back to back Academy award winning director. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. I don't know if my family loves me. I don't know if what I did makes any sense. And I thought, you know, to, to me, that's ballsy, especially in a post-COVID, you know, self-indulgent 2023 way. Yeah, and like uh, Banshees, that movie messed me up for days after with the those thoughts and those questions. I do think for that message specifically, Banshees is a little more effective, I think because of the distance um, the characters have uh from their creator versus Bardo, where Mm -hmm. maybe Bardo is so a one-in-one example of it that it's a little harder to, I don't know, take in for me versus you're watching Banshees of Inishirin and you're seeing it, you're seeing these questions arise with two characters who are their own characters and you're seeing them experience it versus this movie is essentially, hey, it's me, Alejandro Inaritu. And these are the questions that I'm posing myself. So for me, if we're just comparing the two movies that are doing a similar. Well, you're also, uh, you know, uh, an intelligent, bright, you know, like you're very smart. Yeah, you're giving it. So like you can like go into either movies, but really Banshees, you know, and, um, and be like, what the fuck is this? This is boring. You know, it, it's it's two people who one guy, you know, says he don't Spoilers. want anymore, then fuck them. You know, like, and so like it can both movies can be dismissed on a simplistic, I want this movie to be entertaining, which is again getting back to why are we why are we seeing movies? What do we expect from them? Mm-hmm. But I mean like in both cases, although you could argue that Bardo is more entertaining just on a, you know, a cinematic, like big scale, you know, a lot of shit is around. Yeah, a lot of shit is moving around and you use a lot of special effects stuff. Um, but like, you know, if you go into Banshees of an issue and be like, I hope this is an Irish gangster picture. <laughs> and you watch it. And you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, or like no one wants to see anything meditative, anything, again, existential, anything that challenges our self-worth. And if it does, then it needs to be short and concise. At, at least that's what I think as far as audience. But I think that also applies to critics as well i mean what what 
again, uh, Joe, where you say why you thought um, Banshees kind of touched on the detachment versus versus Barda. Yeah, I think just that it's more so the framing of it, of uh, maybe more fictionalized, like taking it more as a parable, I guess, with Banshees of Inisherin versus I could even see uh, Bardo. We were talking about it being so similar to like Werner Herzog. It's because he's injects himself so much into his documentaries and his movies. And this in the same way felt like this could have been a documentary that used um, fictionalized content and stuff to mm-hmm. to discuss Alejandro Inarritu's feelings and whatnot. So mm-hmm. just in that way, it's still this movie. The reason why I, I like it, despite not having enjoyed watching it, is because the themes are so heavy and like it really does make you think. Even if I don't think it's that subtle with what it's talking about, but mm-hmm. it's it's still very heavy and there is something completely frightening about something like the Fablemans in this movie with these great directors who have achieved more than we could ever hope who are here saying, I don't know if any of that was even worth it or good. There's something terrifying about that as a creative person too, that really got me specifically with Bardo. Um, And then, you know, there's even more to it that with just the cultural things of, of not feeling like you're truly Mexican as a half Mexican you know, I feel that in, in different ways, too, and seeing how he feels that. So, yeah, I don't mean to compare the two that much, but just for me personally, it was more the framing of one being more almost entirely fictionalized way of exploring a theme versus one being a more nearing documentary style of uh, uh, exploring those themes. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and hats off to, to both of them. But to be honest, I thought Alejandro's was a hundred times more um, personal and revealing than 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 Spielberg's. Um, yeah, it seems more um, emotional. I thought emotionally I revealing. What was was admirable to me about Fablemans was that like his admission that he's like, yeah, I'm doing this because I want to jerk off the audience, which is, it, you know, which, you know, some filmmakers admit that and then others are like, no, I want to reach them and I want to, you know, have a compelling, you know, and um, I thought that was a, a good, although I just, Fableman's Empire Light and Armageddon Time are the three um, movies other than Bardo about filmmakers by filmmakers um, that to me just didn't come remotely. In fact, I would argue that of those three, they were the worst films of those uh, directors um, well, no, I can't. I would say Hook and a couple others were the worst Spielberg movies. Yeah, but, I mean he's got he's got a lot under his belt to pick yeah. a worst one at least. So. Ready Player One, but like yeah, <laughs> you forget that that one's even Spielberg. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and then didn't so he weird. do one like with a giant monster? Uh, I didn't see that one. So, but like you know, 
compared to what he's done, it's it's kind of irrelevant. But at the same time, like Mendes and Jay, I was like, what are you guys doing? But even with Spielberg, I was like, what do you guys do? At least with Bardo, you go into it, you're like, okay, this guy's crazy as fuck. Like he's doing whatever the fuck he wants. So you know that from the start. But with those other ones, you're like, okay, are you, are you trying to go for like plot or character study? Or are you trying to go like, why should we care about any of these people? Whereas with Bardo, he's like, I don't give a fuck if you care. If you want to come along for the journey, come along. And hopefully you will. And for me, I did. And I thought it worked. Yeah, I think yeah. that that not giving a fuck definitely aids this movie and what it's doing. Uh, and I'm uh, my wife, she asked me, she only saw some of it in chunks. And she was like, how did this movie get made? <laughs> she didn't, she didn't, but she didn't really watch it. So whatever. But I was like, well, Alejandro Inarritu earned it. He's made smash successes. Like mm-hmm. he could do it. And I'm so thankful of that, but it is unfortunate just to think of the many uh, amazing introspective stories that we might not get because those directors didn't quote unquote earn it. Right. Well, I mean, I, again, that would be, I would say, a fault of the critics, right? Um, those movies are never going to be big, uh, big box office draws. You know yeah. what I mean? You could get, I mean, none of them. So even when Well, you- I would argue that Roma was an exception to the rule. Which that feels like that's that's Quaron's Bardo. Sure, but like again, it's not going to bring people to the theater. It's not going to make a lot of money. So, so you use that to hopefully get some, you know, critical praise from it. Um, so there's always an ulterior motive on the part of Netflix and and for doing it. Um, which is fine, but don't make a movie, you know, to try to get critical praise. I mean, if you're, I think in, when you look at Scorsese, who did Irishman, and you look at, at uh, Cuaron, who did uh, Roma, and then now Inarito, uh with um, this one, they're all getting their max out of Netflix and Netflix is hoping they'll get, you know, an Academy award, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, to me, I'm like, I don't, I just want to see a good movie. And if it's introspective or, you know, it's like, that's great. I don't, I don't, I hope it works out for everyone, but. I don't think it will. I don't think this is the Academy Award (laughs) movie because the movie is also about not wanting an award. <laughs> I mean, it's very ironic as far as everyone's, and that's what I liked about it most. The reasons why people don't like it are selfish. The re- you know, it's a selfish movie hated by selfish people. And it's a, in a selfish society. That's that, the I quote. Mean, yeah. That I mean, is the quote of the episode. It's a selfish movie for... Was it made uh, by hated hated by selfish hated by selfish people. people? Yeah, 
made by selfish, selfish people society. in the selfish society. Yeah. yeah, that is that's what we'll put on the Instagram post. It, that is it. <laughs> because it's true, you know, yeah. like any writer, director, like think about anyone who and I was thinking about and I have thought about it and I'm like, well, I haven't really, you know, made much money off it so i can't like i'm not doing this for being selfish but anyone who puts pen to paper but then you go all the way down the line where you someone becomes a writer director you know and that's the epitome of of like selfishness and then it becomes like okay what's selfishness and ego versus confidence and versus like what is needed versus what is going over the line, you know, and what is, so it's like all these things in 2023, especially this movie, bring, bring that up. Um, you know, like how, when, when you try to pitch something in a room, uh, how do you come off? And same thing on when you're trying to write something witty on social media, Facebook or, or TikTok or, or Twitter. You know, was I smart? Does it, and do I go back and check to see how many likes I got? You know, everything is, am I relevant? Am I smart? Is this working? Will people buy the fact that I'm happy in my relationship if I post photos of myself? You know, can I sell someone in a room that I can make you money? I can get people into this show if you give me the chance because of I'm touching on this demographic and this idea. Everyone is selling themselves and everyone is selfish. And that is because we have to be. Let me uh, let me read this, which I think this is a crit. I think it wasn't Collider. But hopefully I can read this cogently. If one thematic through line is evident in Ida Reader's latest, it's his belief that we construct ourselves from stories that are partially or entirely untrue, but that we nonetheless believe in order to function within the boundaries of our powerlessness. I, I mean, to me, that sums it up. And that sums a movie up, but also kind of sums up art. But sadly in a lot of ways kind of the lies that we have to tell ourselves in order to be able to be like oh yeah everything's fine and i think this movie you know they're like dude you're back-to-back academy award-winning director you're filthy rich you left mexico and you're in the united states and you have all this money and you're still scared shitless and that's not going to make us feel any better as aspiring, whatever, mm-hmm. as, you know, parents, as, as Mexicans, as Americans, as anyone, no one wants to really walk out, out of a theater and be like, fuck, you brought out some issues that, you know, that, that basically start with guilt, but then end in doubt. But also touch on, am I relevant? Is, you know, is my, does my life have any meaning? Will my kids even think that if I have them? And what about my friends and my family? 
and my career. And that is what his opponent, that guy called Midlife Crisis. And this is a lot of great films have been made about Midlife Crisis. It's yeah, powerful. And I, and I would say this is one of the best. And I think that the fact that he has the balls to come out and be like, look, if you're shutting him down and be like, well, dude, you're a rich Academy Award winner. And you, you know, like you don't have a right to say it's like, dude, I everyone. I mean, what social media allows for is for everyone to have a voice and be selfish and for everyone to say, look at my life has more meaning than yours. It allows everyone to become a filmmaker. And the second that he gets on and says, check out my movie, I'm scared that my life is shit. What do you guys think? Everyone's like, well, you got a lot of balls, you know, mm -hmm. even asking those questions because you get yours on a movie and ours is on a fucking cell phone. And that's, to me, nutshells. Fuck. Yeah, I think that's a really awesome read of the movie and and contextualizing why it's important to you. And so slash rant, slash rant. Yeah, I, I mean, I, did I sound slurring? No, did there's I a lot of quotes, uh, like quotable moments in that. Um, and I think that can bring us to the ratings. How do they work? All right, this is how the ratings are going to work. We're going to rate Bardo on a scale of 0 to 10 using something else as our basis of the scale. So that something else could be another movie. You could say, hey, The Fablemans is a 5, but Bardo is a 10 because it's way better. Or you could use anything. You could say, hey, A Walk on the Beach with Your Friends is a 10, and Bardo is an 8 because it's not quite as good as that. And if that doesn't make sense, don't worry because Sasha and I will go first. Why don't you go first today? I will. So I will rate it against one of my favorite movies about making movies. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, you can't do that, dude. That movie 10, dude. That, I mean, so don't, don't steal my thunder on that, but it is a 10. You are right. I love that movie. I don't think it's as contemplative as, as Bardo or as powerful in many ways, but that is a movie I could put on any day of the week. I think I saw it five times in theaters, um, hey. perhaps. And I, one of those times, uh, Tarantino was supposed to speak to the audience afterwards, but last minute he had to cancel. So they, um, they rushed in the boom mic operator to come and speak at the end of it, which <laughs> was a, a fun experience. Uh, but yeah, 10 out of 10 for that. That is a, a movie that is watchable. It's about movies. Um, it's a little bit about the some of the themes in Bardo, but not as powerful. Um, so Bardo, like I said, it took me a while to get through this movie, but I fault myself for that, actually, more than I do the movie. And I fault circumstances a little bit on that more than the movie. I think it is a really great movie. I I don't know if I'll be rushing to watch it again. So that's why I'll have to give it a 7 out of 10 compared to a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's 10 out of 10. But I do think it is one of the ones to uh, to point people towards, especially if, you know, you'll have friends sometimes who are in that moment of insecurity, of existentialism and whatnot. It's like, hey, watch Bardo. 
See if that can like jostle some stuff loose. This is a movie I would point them towards. So seven out of 10, I am uh, thankful to have watched it. I will rate Bardo against another movie about rich people. <laughs> uh, that's some sat satirical in some sense. Uh, that is Triangle of Sadness that came out in 2022. Uh, Triangle of Sadness is probably the best movie by Ruben Osland or however you pronounce his name, but I uh, really like that director. And Triangle of Sadness, I will give it an eight. It's a great film. I highly recommend it. Uh, Bardo has a unique thing that I don't think Triangle of Sadness has. It's self-aware, even though it is about uh, a rich white person talking about himself and his uptown problems. Um, it also it also feels very universal and like and, and like he knows that like he constantly keeps bringing up the fact that it's he feels guilty for the fact of who he is. I mean, I don't know. It's just like I'm always in a crisis of some sort. And this movie speaks to my current uh, crisis, which I think is every everybody should have a at least daily crisis of like, <laughs> exist, you know, existence. Otherwise, what, what the fuck are we doing? Um, 10 out of 10 for Bardo. Hey. Nice. Most importantly, Alex, what about you? I would say, you know, up against... Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, which is ten on my back, is eight out of ten. Um, I haven't seen. I can't wait to see Triangle Set. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would stick to probably eight. I mean. It depends. Again, this goes back to you know what you expect from a movie. What you want to get out of a movie. But I would say overall, eight out of eight out of ten. Um, so, well, so I mean, once I, upon a time in Hollywood remains the champion somehow. <laughs> I, I mean, I not for me, I, not for me. Yes, for yeah. you, for everybody, actually. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, Tarantino is a personal champion of mine. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. But at the same time, he hasn't done stuff like, like I said, uh, Terrence Malick or, um, you know, or Monty Python or Terry Gilliam or Inarito. You know what I mean? Like he, yes, he does meld genres. But for the most part, he sticks to the dark comedy, you know, crime drama. Um, whereas I think this one uh, is really all-encompassing, but you know, mostly mostly from a, a visual perspective, because obviously Tarantino's movies are mostly about really good dialogue. Look, Inarito, if you're listening, I see you. Like, I see all the work you've put in. Wild Strawberries, 1957. I've see, I, I see all the references you made. I see the best shot of any movie that I've ever seen is in your movie where uh, the, the mother is holding a tiny little newborn and puts her, him, on the sand and he f swims away. There's crazy shit going on in your movie. I see you. 
and I will not compare your movie to uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that movie is not my favorite uh, by any means. So only with the greats I will compare you, Bardo. But that is because I'm the captain of this podcast and I <laughs> can say shit like that. Anyway, Alex, well, thank you so much for freaking ringing Bardo. Yeah. What a fucking roller coaster this has been, right, Joe? Like, I'm so glad just... you guys liked it. Like, I was, I just assumed that you guys were like, this guy's a prick and he's pretentious. Whoa. And I was like, dude, well, again, getting back to like, and this is another podcast which we should have, which is pot smoking. You know, and wow. whether or not you yeah. smoke pot and whether or not you smoke pot before you watch movies, whether or not you think filmmakers are kind of hoping that some of their watchers smoke pot, which I think, you know, or, or take, you know, other drugs. Yeah. And we'll I think talk about drugs any t- any day, right? Yeah, we have yeah. a few episodes that, of drugs. That could be. When you watch certain movies, you're like, I'm pretty sure they want us to be high as hell. <laughs> you know? We see and you in a reader. I, I just watched you. House Party, the new House Party remake, and I think that was one of those movies you're talking about where they really want you to be stoned for it. So Well, I don't I see. Is that because all the characters are stoned or are they doing like trippy visuals? It's just stupid. <laughs> it's just right. a very stupid well, movie. Well, yeah. If you watch House Party, you I mean, that goes without saying you need to be drunk and high. <laughs> yeah, and I might have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no problem with that. The bigger question is, does Inarito or Stan, or Kubrick got you know obviously he's dead, but any filmmaker who makes trippy shit like do they want their audience to be fucking high as balls? Because there's some movies where I'm like I can't I wouldn't understand that or appreciate it. Unless audience, I'm- you're seeing the actual live pitch as it's happening from our guest. Pitching into the next topic they want to discuss on this podcast. And it, it happens. It usually works, too. Yeah. yeah and we should. That would be and nice. We should. Well. Thank you go, guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Go go watch Bardo, everybody. Um, Joe, I will. Well, yeah. Alex, anything you want people to hey, do? Another topic was I watched. Oh. I had to watch it once to make sure I, yes. I loved it. If I watched it a second time, then I'd start getting into it. And then, like, i keep you on longer than I already have. I will watch it multiple times. I just don't know that I'll have the same love that I had for it this time. Good point. Um, Alex, anything you want to promote? If it's not your thing, you can just tell the world, I don't know, to read American, you know, Constitution of the United States. I don't care. Anything you want the (laughs) audience to do? No. uh, Okay. No. Great. Perfect. I thought that's the answer. Joe. Anything you want the audience to do? Yeah, go check out Bottoms Up Hard Liquor, my horror graphic novel. It is up on Amazon and Etsy. You can go buy it there. If you're confused where you can get it, just go to jokebeo.com and you'll find some links. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this awesome track. Thank you for listening.